Hi everyone and welcome to Pixels, a podcast for the discerning gamer. and welcome to Pixels. This is a show where we cover the news from the video games industry and occasionally share our thoughts on said news. And uh, today I am accompanied by none other than Ed Mitchell. And my name is Patrick Beja. We are here to serve the news and game impressions to you, including, but not limited to, uh, Divinity Original Sin 2. Hey, Ed. How's it going? Hey, Patrick. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good. Uh, you were telling me before we started the show that you're still happily married. It's still happily several married. Several weeks Nothing's now. Changed. So. <laughs> Success. It's been, Excellent. It's been about nine weeks. Uh, not that I'm counting or anything like that. <laughs> now, you, you were telling me that you, uh, you went to a wedding this weekend. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, it reminds me of when I first got married and we would go to, you know, events and stuff like that. And, and I was like, yeah, now we're buried. We're cool. Like we're the, it's funny because when I, I don't know if I mentioned this when you first came on after being, uh, getting married, but I always had the impression when I was younger that like married was half a chore. And (laughs) now it's like, it's awesome. It's like everyone I know who's, well, almost everyone I know who's married is super happy and like proud of it and flaunting it in people's yeah. faces so. now now patrick has a superiority complex when it comes to marriage um i just got really <laughs> drunk at the wedding so <laughs> yeah so you did you didn't have to uh, unlike at your uh, wedding you didn't have to save appearances yeah no no I, it, everything was fun <laughs> cool. excellent um right but you also played a bunch of video games uh yep including as i mentioned not at the wedding just one <laughs> you mean you didn't go with your switch to the wedding oh. uh i had it in the in the car <laughs> but in case things get boring you can yeah. abscond and yeah that, that's probably good a good idea um but yeah so we we i have actually uh purchased Divinity Original Sin 2 for uh the the show and so we i can also uh weigh in a little bit on the game and we'll get to it but i'm it makes me uncomfortable that game makes me (laughs) uncomfortable to talk about and i'll tell you why um but first i think we need to to mention uh the tokyo game show that happened uh last week ended uh last weekend and i guess how disappointing it was it felt (laughs) like we're going to talk about the the few games that there is stuff to say about but uh disappointing right yeah i mean there wasn't a lot there i think that um the sony had weighing so heavily on their um western uh first party releases i don't think they really wanted to show off a lot we got a little bit from square enix but that's about it um i think that what we're gonna if we're gonna wait for sony to actually like reveal a bunch of stuff it's going to be at their playstation experience which i don't think happens to like the end of holiday season so it's December, pretty much what yeah, yeah pretty much what we get this year is what has already been announced and are known quantities. Um, oops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I think there's, uh, that's exactly what's happening because Sony is the only, uh, 
you know, manufacturer that matters in Japan, obviously, uh, well, mm. I say only, obviously, there's, there's Nintendo as well, but they manage their communication worldwide now. And Microsoft doesn't matter in Japan, they don't, you know, even less for this generation than the, than the previous ones. And uh, I think we're seeing the limited abilities or capacity for development of Japanese uh, developers, because this year we've seen an incredible amount of games and and you know major games from them um and they need to refresh you know they don't they're not (laughs) ea or ubisoft or activision blizzard you know they need to uh take a second and they can't announce uh five or six gigantic games every year and i think that those that might be able to are going to as you mentioned are going to wait uh, to announce stuff at more worldwide, world-reaching um, venues. Uh, yeah. We have, obviously, e- E3, and then there's Gamecom that has some international reach. Um, the PlayStation experience has become a big thing now for the past few years. And we also have Paris Games Week, where Sony does a conference, but I'm guessing it's not going to be huge. So what we're left with is games that have mostly local reach for Japan. Um, And some of those were interesting, but not like it's more of the kind of uh, niche interest type of games that are not necessarily going to be AAA. Um, One thing that I noticed or that the world uh, took notice of was uh, that uh, Hokuto no Ken game, which I guess most Americans will know it uh, as Fist of the North Star. How how popular is it in the U.S.? In France, it's very popular with my generation, uh, that Fist of the North Star. But uh, I don't know how many people know of it even in the U.S. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know about it until you just, I mean, I don't even know about Fist of the North Star. Oh really? Um, All right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, it's that it's that weird Mad Max t- type setting with the uh, uh, martial artists fighting one another, and the, they use weird techniques that make each other explode or that slice each other's in 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 little bits. You've never heard of this? So, so it's not a fighting game. It's kind of more a little more action adventure kind of style. So, well, uh, well, yeah. I guess I should start at the beginning. Originally, it's a manga and an anime, uh-huh. um, and it's this. Oh, we! I can't believe you've never heard of this. Um, that's funny. It's like it's so popular here. It's kind of like on the second tier of Dragon Ball Z. Everyone knows it, and and uh-huh. uh, Fist of the North Star, North Star is like that second or maybe even third tier, but it's pretty well known, especially with my generation. It's not Naruto levels, but kind of almost, (laughs) at least for people of my age. Um, And yeah, it's like, it's crazy because they, they have these weird fighting styles that make other, like they, they poke the enemy in like in the face and their finger enters into their like, skull and and then they go away and the guy doesn't understand what they're saying and he's like he has this iconic phrase saying like you don't even know it but you're already dead and in the background (laughs) the guy's head explodes like in it's it's super like it's the kind of crazy japanese over the top uh, yeah yeah. completely yeah 
And um, so, yeah, anyway, so I guess that game is not going <laughs> to mean a lot to you, but it's Hokuto uh, ga uh, Gotoku, which people who know that game series will know that it's a mix between Hokuto no Ken and Ryuga Gotoku, which is uh, the Yakuza series. Um, that series is somewhat known in the West, um, but it's kind of a wacky... Um, I want to say GTA, but it's not entirely true. But it's set in Japan in the world of um, of Japanese mafias, you know, the Yakuza, obviously. And in a kind of not realistic, but semi-realistic uh, uh, area of uh, Kyoto, uh, of Tokyo, I mean, sorry. And so that's the two are a mix. The, the game is a mix between the two, that weird post-apocalyptic universe in that kind of GTA-like uh, gameplay, except it's completely wacky and you have that martial artist warrior having to manage a, a hostess bar. And, like, it's, <laughs> it's weird. It's probably very niche, but I guess that's the kind of... the level of, of niche we have to, quote-unquote, sink to to get games from that TGS. I think that means something about how... Uh, minor it was but is there a game that you noticed from tgs oh yeah i mean the left alive the mech game seems kind of cool um i don't know if you've seen one of the trailers one of the trailers literally looks like uh metal gear solid like the um kind of the not the not the way the game plays but just the it looks like the the key art of metal gear solid where you have like the three people that are kind of in cartoon um look to it yeah um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, that, I mean, the designer, they're definitely trying to call that. They're they're playing that up definitely. Uh, and the the character designer is uh, Yoji Shinkawa, who is yeah. the character designer for uh, Metal Gear Solid. So, and even the aesthetics of the game, I know. I mean, it's based uh, in the world of Front Mission, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but it feels like it's a mech game, and you have like even the colors that feel Metal, Metal Gear ish. So there's definitely that kind of aesthetics, I think, intentionally, but maybe not. Um, but so that's an action game, third person, or yeah, I mean, it looks pretty cool. The it's being described as like survival action shooter, and I don't know exactly what that means, but I'm hoping that it has a pretty cool, maybe a cool story mode. I mean, with the the character artists there, they're not just going to use those for like you're just. It's not like you're never going to see those characters, right? Mm. That's what I'm thinking because, like, otherwise you did. They're just always in mechs, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm ho- I'm hoping that we actually get a, a cool um, mech-based story game. That'd be nice. Yeah, it's uh, uh it's apparently uh, you know, it's kind of reminiscent of Armored Core, um, and mm-hmm. that kind of that kind of game. Again, it's not the the most incredible incredible trailer you've ever seen. Uh, but that's what we're doing for in TGS. Yeah, well, just, just just a little teaser, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then <clears throat> the sorry, I'm still nursing the end of my cold. Um, Monster Hunter World has a release date. Uh, oh, and by the way, uh, Hokutoga Gotoku. If you're interested in that, it's coming out in uh, February, and Monster Hunter World uh, comes out in uh, January. So that's going to be available. I'm still on the. Uh, in the crowd of I would love to find the joy of Monster Hunter, but <laughs> every single game I've ever played, demo I've ever played of that those games, you know, keeps me outside. 
And I'm not sure Monster Hunter World is going to change that. It's still very much Monster Hunter, or at least that's what it feels like. Yeah, but it's a full-fledged game on the PlayStation 4 instead of, like, relegated to it in 3DS or or something like that, you know? So it, it might be cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's going to be very cool. It's, But you're right, yeah. It's PlayStation 4. Originally, it was a, a Sony game. It was on PlayStation 2, I believe, maybe 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they, they uh, switched to, <laughs> switched to uh, the 3DS, and now they're back to Sony. So um, that's exciting for the fans. Um, yeah, that's, again, it's for the people who love that series, who are less numerous in the West, I think, than in Japan. Um we also had a little bit of Dragon Ball Fighter Z still capturing the headlights, the head, the head, uh, head. What's the name I'm looking for? Headlines. There you go. Not headlights. <laughs> um, Final Fantasy IX uh, is on PlayStation Four for those who want that. Um, more images of the re- remake of Shadow the Colossus uh, for Looks PlayStation so Four. Looks pretty good. I think this one is is worth. Uh, mentioning that I th- a lot of people didn't uh, play Shadow of the Colossus when it came out uh-huh. on... Was it PlayStation 2 or PlayStation it 3? Ca- PlayStation 2, it got remade on PlayStation 3, but the, but it was it was just a one-to-one... Re- it wasn't a remake even. It was just a kind a of a, a, a port, like a gra- graphics up a little bit, mm. uh, make it make it have um, like widescreen. But th- this one actually looks like they're they're like going into the textures, at least of the the enemies, and upping the resolution of the textures, which makes it look a lot better. Yeah, they're they're actually remaking the assets. So um, yeah, that's going to give the opportunity to a lot of people uh, to to actually try the game. So that's probably a good thing. Um, and last thing I wanted to mention, we're talking about Sony a lot, and as I said, it's because there's only Sony there. There, and you know, their their press conference was so low key. It was like, do not get your expectations up. It it was a guy in front of a screen barely bigger than a TV, and a bunch of journalists in a small theater, and that was it. And yeah. no fanfare, no fireworks no nothing um but they did mention a little bit about uh playstation vr they did talk about it my uh french japanese friends keep telling me that vr is big in japan because of porn which (laughs) i'm not sure how they get porn stuff on playstation um but apparently it's it's uh getting sold out all the time uh, oh, by the way, they just announced there's a new revision of the hardware of PlayStation VR, which is just uh, the same thing, but with less cables. So that's cool. Oh, um, that's cool. Yeah, it's going to be releasing very soon. So, but not a lot of less, not a lot less cables, but just a few. But it's it's good that Japan is leading, um, you know, play, uh, PlayStation VR efforts still. And yes, it's because of porn, probably, but most new uh formats get popularized <laughs> because of porn so that's not necessarily a bad thing yeah um and yeah that's it for tokyo game show i feel a bit sad but uh <laughs> it's you know it's enough here japan is a, is has become a small territory for not a small territory but not as big as it used to be and uh, we've had such an incredible year uh for Japanese games that I don't think we should be bitter about them not yeah. announcing a bunch of stuff at this Tokyo Game Show again. 
Um, especially since we we are getting Japanese games and Nintendo is doing wonders. So yeah, it's just that oh, well, TGS. One quick mission: Okami HD coming out for the the big three systems. Yeah. Um, it was on the the most recent system. It was on was the Wii and the PS3. So it'll it'll be cool to um to have that game on something that I can actually have plugged into my TV. You know, I never played Okami. What, it's what, Zelda. So what was the? It's what? It's a Zelda. It, it's Zelda. Yeah. But it's you Zelda play the with, wolf, and there's the thing about like the the ink and the. Yeah, no, it's um the art style is beautiful. It looks like a Jap one of those uh Japanese like uh ink uh paintings, you know. Right. Um, and so I, I mean I I'm looking. I haven't actually played it, so I, so having it in a in a place that's a little bit more readily accessible would be nice. Right, so it will give you a chance. But the game yeah. is kind of an adventure-type Zelda game. Yeah, yeah, yeah very much right. so. It's, it has the same, like, you know, you, you go into a dungeon and you get an item that allows you to unlock more areas of the dungeon and you use that item to fight the boss in the dungeon and right. stuff like that. So Cool, yeah. And the art style is definitely the thing that uh, makes it stand out. And yeah. it would be cool if they actually remake it, taking advantage of the, at least a little bit, of the power of the modern systems, it would be uh, uh, good to have. Yeah, it's definitely it's it's a so the PS3 version was called Okami HD. So I don't know if it's just going to be a straight port or they're actually going to up oh. the resolution up to the textures or not. Um, but it, even the PS3 version looks beautiful. So um, I have no doubt the PS4 version and the okay. uh, other consoles going to look good too. Cool. All right. Uh, so there's that, and that uh, concludes the TGS report. <laughs> um, but we have other exciting things to discuss, including uh, Divinity 2, um, Divinity Original, is, uh, Original Sin 2, which um, <clears throat> kind of blew up, I don't want to say the internet, but blew up the uh, critics' uh ranking systems mm -hmm. everyone is ranking like 90% or above and so i definitely wanted to talk about it on the show and <clears throat> i i don't usually do this because this is not a review show but i did go out and and purchase it uh to give it a try because it was just like when everyone is saying this game is awesome and incredible and you know it's nine out of ten by everyone i don't know where it sits on metacritic right now i'm gonna gonna check it but um let's see metacritic i'm pretty sure it's still in the 90 percent range um Ah, oh, that search thing on Metacritic. 95. 95, there you go. Uh, that's crazy, right? Yeah. 95 for a game that has been reviewed extensively. It came out like 10 days ago, maybe two weeks. Um, so, yeah. What did you think of Divinity Original Sin 2? Oh, let's let's maybe define what kind of game it is first. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I mean... I. I can talk about that a little yeah, bit. Sure. The, Go ahead. the game, so the game is a uh, very is like kind of a point and click RPG, um, not like a point and click adventure, but like you actually use the mouse to move around. It's kind of like Diablo. Um, it, when you get into combat, it's more turn based. 
um, you have a certain amount of action points and you kind of figure it out. But it's basically just uh, one of those RPGs, kind of like Pillars of the uh, Pillars of Eternity and um, other games like that. Um, Baldur's I think, Gate and stuff. like yeah, that. Yeah, Baldur's right? Gate. Yeah. yeah. So, so uh, from my perspective, it kind of leans a little bit too heavy on the the old school like um, systems a little bit. So it kind of feels a little old school. But maybe that's the reason why everyone's loving it, you know? Yeah. Um, I, th- I, I think one of the, the elements that brings a lot of uh, uh, affection from many of the people who review it is the fact that it is in the vein of those games that were trying to emulate an actual pen and paper role-playing yeah. game. Mm-hmm. A- and in that sense, it is kind of an incredible achievement because it is yeah. oh, so, yeah, sure. so vast you know um it is, it is not forgiving either if you make a mistake you got your guys are gonna die I, I i think i've already gone through all of my resurrection scrolls that i have in, <laughs> in my character's inventory um just in the i mean in, in the first like real section of the game my 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 perspective on it is that there's not much like you get out of fort joy you go to another area and there's maybe like three or four more areas after that if that but the um, actual, like, each individual area is chock full of stuff to do. Mm. Um, whether it's, uh, I mean, it's very quest-based. So you go up to an, a person, you talk to them, you get uh, something to do, and then you go up to someone else. But it's not guided at all. So um, I think that's kind of refreshing, you know um that there's no there's really no information they don't give you a lot of information it's just kind of like context clues from the game for you to kind of figure out there's one there's one mission where um a guy basically just tells you to find this guy named migo and you go to this corner of the beach and migo is like doing this crazy he's eating corpses and stuff like that and you're like, what the heck is going on here? But if you get like a particular kind of flower, which the only clue is that the flower has the same name of the guy that first gave you the quest, and you give it to him, he'll like chill out and give you like uh, an item, and then you go back and give the item to to the person that that gave it to you or gave you the quest, and then the quest is over, and that's pretty much it, you know? Yeah, I mean, the 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 context of the game is is pretty well established, and you have like these. Uh, when you, so when you first start the game, you're presented with the character creator uh, UI, and you can create pretty much whatever you want. You have so it's hardcore pen and paper role, role playing game type thing. You can choose your race, your mm-hmm. quote unquote class, um, and you are also offered the, um, the 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 default characters that have origins, which are. A specific story that you, you sort of all are all interesting, um, and and they have a goal within the game that you can help them achieve or not. So you can choose a custom made character, or you can choose to play one of those. I think it's probably easier if you just pick one of those. Yeah, and, and they, if you pick one of those, you get like, um, so you get like four people that you can be in your party, including yourself. So you get like a a. a custom quest line for each one of them and so if you pick one of those you get to follow that quest line like you would if one of them was your um companion yeah so you get you get a little bit more there um and they're all extremely 
well crafted and mm-hmm. and pretty well acted. Um, I think the UI, as you said, is a little bit. It's really PC e. <laughs> yeah. Oh you know, yeah. It feels like. A hard, it's not a bad thing necessarily, but it feels like one of those PC and it's, and the first one was available on console. So it's not to say that it can be done. Um, I'm guessing this one will become available on consoles as well. And you can play it with controller. Yeah. Uh, but it feels like it feels like a PC yeah. game, like for PC people. And so you get into that character and then you you start on a ship and you go to the different characters and you tell they tell you their story and everything is voiced. Like everything mm-hmm. is is voiced and you have a narrator who essentially kind of plays the part of the dungeon master. Yeah, very much so. Which is, I think, a clever way of doing it. You have the narrator telling you what happens and what, you know, you get into and what people think and how. So that's a good way of having an outside voice in the game to explain everything. And so as everything is voiced, it's very, uh, it's pretty a relaxed way of following the story. It's almost like having a story read to you. Um, But... (laughs) (laughs) when i say it's like hardcore pc gamer i think the combat system that you mentioned it's turn by turn um it's turn-based combat but it's also very they they really just throw you out into that thing and don't explain much yep yep and i'm like all right so i have this fire casting dude who can like there's oil on the ground, so you'll blow up the the ground thing of out at, at your enemies, and there's gonna be flames everywhere. All right, cool. But I also have this melee character that's gonna be yeah. hitting the enemy, and when I, you know, I, I I burn the oil, my other character is getting burned too, and I'm like, what the hell? All right, so I shouldn't be close to the guy, but then how... And everyone is like one level above, and one level is apparently so hard that I can't kill anyone ever. Mm-hmm. And I don't get like this, just go and try it, I'm sure is is great for the people who like that. But if I'm not into that kind of gameplay, I have no idea what I'm doing. And I have no idea, like even for the quests... I love that they're trying to create a, a, an immersive world where you just have to figure things out by yourself and like do the thing. And this, but like one of the first quests is to free an elf that's been uh, imprisoned, wrongfully imprisoned by this, like the 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 boss of the m- local mob. And so he tells you, "Hey, there's someone else that." did the thing that I'm accused of. So go find it. And so I was walking around that area. I'm not kidding. Like for 45 minutes, talking to everyone, trying to get a clue about who the guy I was supposed to find (laughs) was. And I, I was talking to everyone and some of them were clearly not the person that, you know, they didn't have anything to do with that quest. And so I started walking around the island and found another one of the characters that is can become part of your party. 
And she didn't want to come in my party because I didn't, I already had four people. And then I wanted to get her in my party. But if I should, you know, if I was to do that, then I didn't know how to dismiss another <laughs> party member. And you talk to them. Uh, yeah, so you talk to them, like in game, you have your four characters, you get, you click, you select another one, like your main character, and you talk to the other one you want to dismiss. But when you do, they're like, oh, it was nice traveling with you, and now I will leave forever. And I'm like, wait, dude, maybe I want to get you in the no, party again at some point. They don't leave forever. No, I know, but it's like, but it feels like it's explained nowhere. And I'm sure there's the com conventions in those games that you know you they go to their place and you can go talk to them again or to the inn or whatever. But all right. And before I even did that, I didn't know how to do it. And that other character I wanted in my party was talking a prey, like a lizard man. And that lizard man... Uh, she was saying, oh, don't go warn him now and don't, you know, I want to kill him myself. So I was like, all right, I'm 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 not going to talk to him because God knows what's going to happen. So I get tired. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sick of it. I go look at the solution on the internet and turns out that lizard man was the one I should be talking to to get the, because he's the culprit in the other quest I had started. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's like, what? Like, there's <laughs> specifically this character telling me not to go warn him, not to go talk to him or anything. And I know she's important because she's one of the origin characters. And and at no point, like, the one clue that I had that the culprit, I, that would allow me to understand who the culprit is, was that he had that same speech, uh, like, habit. He would go, <clears throat> all the time, uh, like the boss. <laughs> And like, all right, I'm talking to people, trying to see who does that. But it was that stupid lizard person that I didn't go to talk to. And no one indicated, like, it might be a lizard or he's sleeping on the beach or, like, nothing. And I don't know if I missed it, but I feel like I should be, like, I'm not enjoying that game. And that should mean that I'm taking, like, my... my card of card carrying member of the you know pc master race should be taken away and it's just i'm not managing to find the fun in that game and yeah i i, I also have a problem with the um the quest system that it, if you go away like like i did this weekend i left for the weekend um and i came back last night i was playing it it doesn't really. I mean, you have your journal there, but it doesn't really tell you like where you kind of left off. It's like it says like it's looking like the the woman you're talking about, the the elf lady. She's it's in her quest line. It says she's looking for a certain lizard. That's all it says in the quest line, and like that, and you know that when you were talking to her, she gave you some more information than that, you know. But it doesn't really keep keep a record of your conversation. So if you miss it, then you miss it. Um, and my other thing is class and race systems stress me out so much because <laughs> I want to pick the right one and I always feel like I'm picking the wrong one. <laughs> so I picked, I, I chose to, to be the, the red prince or whatever, the, the lizard, yeah. um, origin character. And I chose to be a knight, but I think lizards are better suited to be, um, like mage characters 
Mm. And so now I feel like I make the wrong decision and that everything is wrong in the world. Um, <laughs> and I really, I'm really thinking about wanting to go back and, put, and be a battle mage instead. So I might re-roll, but then I lost like six hours of game time that I already played. So I don't know, man. I, yeah. I, I think I want to keep playing this game just because I feel like I'm missing something that is going to click. Because uh, you mentioned the oil and the fire, but that's like highly key to the way um, you play this game where you have like you basically set up your environment to like destroy your enemies by um, mixing up elemental like uh, combination. So you put oil right. on the ground and then you throw fire at it and it does that explosion that you're talking about. And then you have uh, the one of the guys you uh, you have is a is an undead like wizard guy, and he has two wands that are poison wands to start out with. And if you use poison near the areas that the fire is, you can actually spread the fire to other enemies by just attacking the ground near the fire. Yeah, it feels you know there's so much tactical depth in mm-hmm. this game, which sounds great, you know. But it's it feels like XCOM to me, where I could never even understand the the you know the 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 fun of XCOM until I played Mario plus <laughs> Rabbids, right? Um, yeah, you need. I, I agree with you though. You need that. There's something missing tutorial wise. Like the first mission where you're on the boat is supposed to be like t- a tutorial, but it doesn't really give you much in the way of a real combat tutorial or like teach you kind of the do's and don'ts. Yeah. Um, no, Cause I feel like I'm nothing. making a lot of, I feel like I'm making a lot of don'ts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's, I think, you know, there, there's a lot of people that are going to say, oh, but, you know, we don't need games to be to be holding your hand all the time. And like modern games, they, they mm-hmm. never let you fail. And I think that's fair. I think there is definitely a, a place for games that aren't forgiving or that aren't that don't hold your hand. Um, and I absolutely see the brilliance of, of this game. You know, it is incredibly well crafted and complex and you can see all of the possibilities in this uh in these systems but it's just that as someone who hasn't been immersed in this uh in 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 this genre before it feels like there's no path for me to enjoy it unless i i like forcibly like it, it uh force myself to to play it and and not have fun for 15 hours before i finally understand what you know how how yeah. how the game works and I, where the fun is i think that like I, I think that i might consider going back to divinity original sin and just to get kind of um a different feeling for the game uh, more fresh i guess but you know um, i i talked to people I, about I, that one I, I, and i played it actually i played it less not as long but i played it a little bit it felt very similar and people told yeah. me don't you know don't bother with the first one the second one is is the same but better yeah i did hear that they kind of um finesse the uh like skill system and class system a little bit mm. in, the, in this game to make it a little bit better um yeah but yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you. I kind of wish there was some form of, um, 
like more tutorial system to kind of get me into the yeah just some just get me into the systems more than than what it's doing right now i feel like i'm i'm just making all the wrong decisions and there's no way i can just figure it out you know yeah, that's the thing. It feels like you should you should already know how to play the game to get in because even games that are uh you know notoriously difficult like the the Dark Souls type game type games, you know what you're supposed to do kind of and it's hard and you fail but you see the path to yeah. how to succeed. Here, it's just you're you're alone in the forest and you're like, "All right, have fun." And you're looking around and going, all right, you know, this this plant looks interesting. Should I be, like, <laughs> eating the leaf or, like, collecting the roots? Or That's the other thing that I, that we should mention is that the crafting system is incredibly, like, foreign. <laughs> like, yeah. you, you get, you get, I think you get recipes, maybe, and you're, you, you can, but, like, you, you're basically just told, oh, you can combine items in your inventory, and that's pretty much it. Like, there's one person that you talk to. She gives you a flask and a mushroom, and you and your your the response is like gives her a quizzical look or whatever. And she's like, just put them together. And so that's your first introduction to really crafting. But after that, like, you're not giving any guidance into how to, to make things other than the one minor healing potion um, right. that you're given. Um, yeah, and I think the fantasy, the idea of having the, this immense world of possibilities where you can do whatever you want and if you fail, you fail, is great. But it's it's really it's only it's really only fun for people who know what they're doing, and mm-hmm. I don't th- at least a little bit. And so I think it's a little bit too bad that uh, people who don't have a history with this genre are kept at bay, kind of, almost intentionally. I don't think it is intentional. They're making the game for the people who who love the game. And and God knows there are many of them. But it's just that it's really difficult to get into if you're not already into it. Um, Right. and, And I feel like the 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 scores and the appreciation of that game it's almost like the 95% um average on metacritic i feel a little bit cheated because i don't know that a game that keeps uh, 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 beginners at bay so harshly should be considered that good i don't know if it makes sense but and, and I know that you can play, you know, the game in explorer mode, which makes it super easy. But I don't want to like if I seems like play a cop it, out, right? Yeah. No, well, it's I'm a I mean, better gamer than that. I, I don't need explorer mode. <laughs> there's a little bit of that, but there's also the fact that if I want a game to just explore and have a narrative adventure, then I'm not going to go play Divinity. I'm going to go play a narrative game like you know Uncharted or whatever. You know, it's like if I'm going to play this game, I would love to be invited into the systems. I don't want to be a tourist and and enjoy half of the game. So it feels like the game is there's a little bit of like for the people in the know, it's the best game of that genre. But for the people, but it feels like a game scored 95 plus by the entire press. It feels like it should be uh I'm not saying it, they should make it easy, but I'm saying there should be a, a visible or discernible path somehow for 
regular people, normal humans, to at least see how to go about enjoying the game. Mm -hmm. And for this game, there isn't that. So it's not, you know, you can... You can see the path. You should be able to see the path and decide for yourself if you're going to invest the time. And here it feels like, you know, some of those very complex space sims where you need a manual just to 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 take off from the space station. Um, <laughs> so anyway, those are my impressions on Divinity 2. I was very disappointed that I didn't enjoy it more. Feels like you, you're a little bit in the same situation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hmm. I I wanted to like it. I wanted to like it a lot. Um, and may, maybe it's because Patrick messaged me last week and was like, have you played it yet? And I was like, no, but I'm going to. <laughs> and then I felt like I needed to. <laughs> well, I mean, we both wanted to, to play it. And, yeah, and exactly. When you see I wanted a game, to play it. And when you see a game so highly regarded, it's kind of hard to not want to, to get some of that action. Uh-huh. And Anyway, all right, well, let's move on. Um, I'm sure, you know, if you have other things to say about Divinity 2, uh, whether you agree or disagree with us, please do uh, let us know. You can comment on the blog or on Twitter or whatever, wherever you feel is appropriate. Um, I'm sure some people will have things to say. Um, Quickly, other releases. Uh, Cuphead is... As hard as expected. Um, (laughs) And uh, people are enjoying it. I think it's probably... You know, it feels like we've seen the game so much in the past three years that this is exactly what everyone expected. And uh, there's not a lot more to say about it. Um, Capcom, Marvel versus Capcom Infinite is uh, doing poorly sales-wise in Japan, at least. I'm hearing that competitive-wise, people are sort of getting warmer to it, so maybe it will um, be on the the slightly awkward phase where it just came out and the defiance towards Capcom um, recently. Maybe it's going to find its place, but um, it's, yeah, it's in an awkward, awkward I don't think it's going to be a, a huge commercial success. And I did want to give an update uh, to Destiny because I'm sure a lot of people following games have heard the fact that uh, uh, more and more people are saying that they're done with Destiny 2 because of the way uh, you you have the item progression in the game. Hmm. And I have to say, um, as sad as it makes me to admit... I, I kind of am as well. Oh, no. That's yeah, right. it's terrible. You know, the thing is, there is no incentive. Like, you know how cynical gamers are. Um, <laughs> what? It, no. <laughs> if you don't have a reason, quote unquote, to play the game, you're not going to play just for the fun of that game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, keep in mind, I've played, I think, like, I don't know, maybe 100 hours of Destiny 2 already, and it came out less than a, a month ago. So... It's not like I didn't get my money's worth, but as loot grinders go, uh, games like even Destiny 1 and, uh, you know, Diablo, World of Warcraft, all of those, they give you reasons to keep playing the game for the vague hope of getting an item that is going to be better. And in, in in these systems for Destiny 2, you only get uh, better items with the 
weekly quests. And those are when you reach a certain level after, I don't know, maybe 40 hours of game time, um, you get you only get those items uh, at the weekly quests and those you knock down in, I don't know, maybe three hours less, uh, something like that every week. So it's really hard to, to justify going to play destiny when it's just quote unquote for the fun of it. <laughs> it sounds silly, <laughs> but you know, you're not, you know, you're not going to get uh, items out of it because everything is very hardly capped. Um, very, you know, harshly capped, I guess. Um, so that well, puts a it puts a time like like if I was to play WoW just for quote unquote the fun of it, I would play through each raid in each dungeon once and then kind of be done with it, right? Exactly, it sounds like yeah. it sounds like that's what a lot of people are doing, where they just kind of play through the content and they're like, eh, that's that's about it for me. Yeah, I mean. It's not even that. I think the way people approach it is, gosh, I really want to play it more, but I don't have like a real reason to. And Mm -hmm. it's not like people are, ah, all right, I'm done. It's like, I don't have a reason to go back. I would like to, but I don't want to just play to play it. It's not like you're playing chess or like... So have they reached the end of their progression um, Basically, for the yeah. Release. Interesting. Basically, more or less, and I think it's a it's a design flaw that wasn't apparent in the first few, you know, the first couple of weeks. Uh, but they haven't incorporated a good amount of replayability in the game. You know, in in the whole. That's what I always say about these games. It's that's great when you have a fun. Uh, experience for the 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 first time you go through it but the key in those games is the replayability the reason why diablo is still uh pretty popular and why i go back to it very often and the same with wow same with everything is the 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 they give you reasons to replay the same quests and dungeons and and bounties a million times because you're going to get better items you're chasing that set or you're chasing you know whatever getting the perfect role on that thing that you want and the leveling the gems that make them a little bit better or you have some reason here it's very flimsy and you know, so that's the key. In order to have replayability, you either have to have some sort of progression or player versus player. And there is some player versus player in Destiny, but that's not like... It It, it addresses some part of the player base, but not all of it. And even then, there are issues. Um, so that's not to say they can't do it. I think they probably will. And we have a DLC coming in... Um, in a, a couple of months and the PC release is coming out this, uh, you know, in, in a few weeks and it's still an awesome game. As I said, I got already a hundred hours out of it and I'm probably going to be playing it a little bit more. And yes, I could go raid and, you know, like, but raiding is kind of its own beast. It's the only thing I didn't do too much. Um, but even then, like you're going to raid once or twice, but it's like, you don't have that, that incentive, I guess. Yeah. So I didn't want to address it because I'm sure people have been hearing uh, left and right that they're, as you said, they're done with Destiny. And I wanted to address the reason why. And that's sadly, um, I kind of agree. I'm still, you know, 
I'm talking about it. And now what I want to do is go do a couple of uh, quests. And, <laughs> and tomorrow we have the weekly reset. I'm still going to go do that and get my powerful engrams that, is gonna, that are going to raise my item level a little bit. So I'm still going to be doing it. But we'll see. But once you finish for the week, you're pretty much going to log off and play something else, you think? And so you have the weekly reset on Tuesdays, and then you have things that happen on the weekends. Like there Mm -hmm. was the faction rally that happened last week. And I mean, it's the thing is, I think it's a relatively easy fix. So we'll see what they do. But I think it's it's possible to fix it somehow. But um, we'll see. I'll definitely keep you informed. Um, other big news. There was a Red Dead Redemption trailer that dropped on Thursday. What did you it think? It looks Ed? so good. I want to play it right now. So you're you're apparently like following the gang that John Marston was going after in the first game. So it's like a, a prequel. And I'm sure there'll be cameos of John Marston and stuff like that. Um, but though I think he was in the first game, he was like part of the gang at one point, right? Or something? Um, I don't in, remember. You mean in Red Dead Redemption? Yeah, like, I mean, that was after he had left the gang and was going after them again. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. Anyway, um, no, it looks good. I'm not, I I don't know how much more there is to say, say about it besides just, like, if it comes out sometime soon, that'd be nice. So it's still, <laughs> um, it's still scheduled for uh, spring. They didn't go mm-hmm. any uh, deeper in, sorry, into details. And I guess in keeping with the theme of this episode, um, I was disappointed by that trailer. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. Patrick, why? Well, it looks... The, the sceneries look really good. Uh-huh. Uh, so first, let me say this uh, before I even get into that. Um, I think them doing another 90 seconds trailer, like the first one was maybe 30 seconds, uh, and this one is 90 seconds, it's with no information whatsoever, I think is getting a little bit old. I understand <laughs> that they're Rockstar and that Red Dead Redemption 2 will be amazing and that we'll all rush to buy it, and I certainly will. But I thought that is them leaning a little bit too much on their star power. I think it's, I don't want to say disrespectful, but you know, it's kind of... They're they're beginning to push it a little bit. I hope that we get like systems playthrough gameplay details at some point fairly soon, because this this trailer was almost nothing. It, it didn't tell us anything we didn't infer already. I mean, the sceneries look good, but honestly, the animations of the characters look a little bit stiff. Uh, the voice acting is good, as we would expect from um, from Rockstar. And, you know, they're bad guys. And at some point, someone screams something. And at some point, someone, <laughs> you know, roughs someone up. And all right, so it's a Rockstar game. What is, like, what are you telling me about that game? The, the it, For me, it was very light on it didn't make me it didn't make me excited (laughs) well i think did it get you excited oh yeah of course it did come on no no it was great it was great i mean it was it was short 
I I wanted more, and so I'm, I I think I think if we're if we're reading the tea leaves, I think we might get something more at um, the PlayStation Experience, mm. um, and we'll get something big there. Or I mean, this is a little bit of a stretch, but probably maybe another trailer at um, at the video game award show that that happened every year in December and stuff like that. Um, but I mean, come on, man. It's Red Dead Redemption. Let's get more Red Dead Redemption. That's all I want. I just want more Red Dead Redemption. I, no, I, I agree with that. But imagine that this was a trailer for another game. Imagine that was Cowboy well, yeah, City. But, but it's not. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. I know. But I, I guess I would have loved to be excited for this on its own merit and not for it to have to use its name as yeah. um you know the the half of the excitement it produces and i but think what, in this case it what does. made what made red dead redemption great was the the kind of off the beaten path side quest lines and stuff like that mm. that were like you know the one where you went inside this guy's house and you fi- found out like later he was a cannibal and you were basically bringing bringing him people to eat and stuff like that oh geez i didn't remember that one. <laughs> oh yeah 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 no th- there's or the one that um He's t- he said, oh, it w- there was another guy who was outside um, sitting on his rocking horse and he kept like asking you to bring stuff to him, like uh, flowers and stuff for his wife. And she's like, oh, she's inside. She's not feeling well. You know, she'll. Um, but if you bring her, me a flower, it'll make her feel better. And you eventually go inside the house and her, his wife is like completely dead, like yeah, way, way past that <laughs> decomposed and stuff like that. And you're just like, oh, God, this guy is like crazy. What it <laughs> What am I doing? You know, it's like it's stuff like that that makes what is what made the game great more than just you're a cowboy. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was like being a cowboy and, you know, just just riding along in those incredible environments and. But uh, I mean, yes, it will be. It's just I'm not commenting on my excitement for Red Dead Redemption Two. I'm just commenting on the excitement of this trailer, which uh-huh. I thought was flimsy. But all right. Anyway, um, hey, uh, good news for Assassin's Creed Origins. There will be next year a zero combat mode coming, meaning it's going to be kind of a uh, explore ancient Egypt mode, where you will have like almost like guided tours and lectures and and stuff to explain to you how that society worked. I think that's really exciting for a game where the historical settings have been so important for so long. Um mm-hmm. that that might even almost convince me to get the game if I was hesitant. Are you going to wait till next year or are you going to actually play the game when it comes out? I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it's it's coming out on the day of Mario. Yeah, the day Odyssey, the day so. of everything else. Yeah. So so we'll see. But but I'm I'm that's something that could be really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I hope it's not a thing that you know you download and then you're you, you you launch it twice and then you're done and you feel like you should be doing your homework um, when you're you know not doing it and you should. But um. But it feels it. It seems like a great natural idea. It could be cool to. I mean, if they extend this to their their later games and stuff. It could be a, a cool like um, learning tool, like in schools and stuff like that. Um, maybe you know. You seem less convinced than I am. I I don't know. I just I just don't. 
I don't see what it what it, its appeal and use is going to be. Um, I'd rather just play the video game. <laughs> well, I, I mean, discovering what ancient Egypt was like. Yeah, yeah, I, I okay. guess so. Or as uh, the Ubisoft people think that ancient Egypt was like, at least. Uh, I suppose that's <laughs> that's one way of of looking at it. Um, well, oh, here's something interesting. Uh, there is a whole kerfuffle between Bluehole and Fortnite and Epic. Um, so Bluehole, of course, is the developer of uh, PlayerUnknown's Battleground, and Epic, through the uh, its uh, its game Fortnite, has been the first company to integrate a battle royale mode, uh, so basically a PUBG-like, in their game. And uh, the interesting thing is that, of course, uh, PUBG uses the Unreal Engine, which Epic is the developer of, and <laughs> Fortnite is a game uh, early access that you need to pay for, except their Battle Royale mode is free to play and free to access. Mm -hmm. So it's almost kind of this, like, backdoor into uh, people getting to experience the game and maybe buy it. Um, but so Bluehole was super not happy about this and they made some very clumsy uh, communication saying that uh, they were very concerned about uh, Fortnite copying their game and that they were contemplating further action. And then they went on to explain... Um, that uh, they, they didn't mean that they wanted to own the genre of uh, uh, Battle Royale modes, but that because of their working relationship through the Unreal Engine, they were concerned that Epic would like mess with the engine to make it less good for them and at the same <laughs> time benefit their other endeavor, which was Fortnite. Like it was, it, I didn't buy it either. Um, but I, I'll, I'll say what I think about this. I guess it transpired a little bit, but, uh, what, what did you think of this? I just thought it, I, I didn't know that the Epic, like, um, Unreal Engine, like connection. Um, but I, I was, I was kind of just watching this from afar and, um, I think that it, it's, you gotta be careful because you can't just go after someone for like, making the same genre game that you made, you know? Um, otherwise, there would be, never be any innovation at all. So, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think that Bluehole has that much of a leg to stand on, but the fact that uh, Epic was working with them throughout the, ex throughout the development experience of um, a player on Battlegrounds, there could be something there that they're like, well, if we find out that they had brought this idea to the Fortnite team like during development, like before um, PUBG even came out. Then, then there could be something there that that would be somewhat infringing, you know? Yeah, um, I think you know. There's the thing is, um, PUBG has been out for almost a year now, uh, nine months at least, and um, it's so successful that we've been mentioning for a few weeks now, we're going to see, uh, you know, Battle Royale modes in so many games. And yeah. so this seems really all, soon. Yeah, I don't know. 
I mean, maybe. But, may, but maybe it's but, epic, so they have this big like train of developers that they can just shove into uh, into the the release cycle for about a battle royale um, I mean, style. So it wouldn't take them as long. Yeah. I'm sure we're going to see many of them like within weeks, you know, they're going to be coming towards the end of the year and there's going to be like, there, there are even some on mobile that are coming. It's not the first ones that have been announced. I think it's the first mm-hmm. one that came out. Um, but the thing is there are, there are a couple of things. Um, first of all, you can, as you said, you can't copyright or trademark a gameplay concept um what you can copyright is story or character that kind of thing and uh, trademark is obviously for a brand or like an actual mark um but it's like video games are just like any other creative endeavor you can't you know you don't have copyright in fashion or cooking or god in, in like movies right that's why you have like three movies about asteroids crashing on earth coming out in roughly the same year um Mm -hmm. that is not something that you can and that's how genres evolve in video games forever they they we've had like fighting games genres and rts's and mmorpgs and rpgs like and fps's like that is doom would be i mean id would be upset about having created the 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 fps genre and like (laughs) there are a million examples it's it's obvious and not only did Blue Hole, I mean, they, they got Brendan Green and they licensed the thing and like they, they did it by the book, but their game is based on a Battle Royale mode, which came from the movie Battle Royale, right? That's like, it's very, very uh, uh, hypocritical. I mean, I understand that they're sore, that ah, it's the guys we were working with and they're, you know, copying our game and they even referenced it during the the, the promotion, which I can see how they would have done it for SEO, you know, the, the Fortnite people. But it's not like... it's it, They could have done the same thing, Fortnite, and created a Battle Royale mode and not even mentioned PUBG. They, I, to me, it felt like a tip of the hat. And we don't want to live in a world where game developers have to be like, pretend like they don't play other people's games because if they do, then they, they have the risk, they run the risk of uh, incurring some kind of lawsuit. And honestly... That thing by Blue Hole is has I'm not a lawyer, but I'm convinced they have no leg to stand on on the <laughs> uh you know we don't want them to make the game based on the same genre it's 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 ridiculous it's impossible so the only thing that that sort of outburst uh created was create ill will towards Blue Hole not a lot but some when they had nothing but blue but goodwill like they were crushing it and they are they still are very much crushing it and i i don't know like they were saying some people might think that we integrated pubg into fortnite and players might be confused and it's like no they won't like no one's gonna think oh i don't want to play pubg but there's pubg in fortnite i'm gonna go play it and yes fortnite's uh battle royale mode had a million players when it launched but it's free to play you know it's free to play and of course there are people that are going to see this so anyway it was it was it was blue hole being 
unsavvy business people and it was a little bit too bad and i hope they um i hope they just walk it back and just do this quietly if they want to talk to epic about this then let them talk like it, they're not going to switch engines they're not going to like an epic is not going to hinder their their ability to use the unreal engine that's ridiculous um and Bluehole said we developed stuff that enables the Unreal Engine to uh, accommodate 100 people in Engine at the same time. That wasn't possible before. All right, great. If you think you've contributed that much, like maybe discuss something with Epic. But that was the wrong way of going about it. Like definitely wrong way. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, so yeah, I wasn't very happy when I saw it. Uh, apparently, Bluehole is going to spin off uh, PUBG as an entirely separate company. And I would suspect they will sign up with Tencent to bring the game to China or someone <laughs> else, but it seems they're, uh, they're talking to Tencent already. So that wouldn't be surprising. And I think mm-hmm. they're going to be fine, even though there are going to be a million copycats. Uh, voice actors are uh, stopping their strike. Do you remember there was a strike that got started a while back? Finally. <laughs> the I mean, you know, there are a couple of things that are interesting here. Um, first, I don't think we saw an effect of the strike, and maybe it's because development time hasn't caught up to the strike yet. But I think people were fine with the voice actors being on strike because we still got okay acting. Um and the other thing is their main demand was we want residuals. Like we want a cut of the sales if the games do well. And they didn't get that, which I think is pretty obvious that they wouldn't because let's be honest, they get residuals in movies because na- you know actors' names drive sales. In video games, as much as I love Nolan North and, you know, all of the famous voice actors, I'm not going to check out a game. I'm not going to buy a game specifically because that voice actor uh, is playing a character in there. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you would, if you would, but... No, I'm pretty much the same boat. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the trick is, is that these, these voice actors, they... <laughs> They are in so many games per year that you can't just be like, hey, I'm going to buy all of uh, Nolan North's games because I really like <laughs> Nolan North, you know, versus like a Matthew McConaughey or something like that that's in like one or two movies a year. Um, my, the, I, just don't, I just don't see, see the direct... And, and Nolan North isn't even the best example. If you think of um, the... Ah, oh, what's the girl's name? The girl that played the Horizon Zero Dawn, and she was Chloe in Life is Strange. Um, I don't remember her name. Anyway, that's maybe that's part of the problem. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, but uh, but she but she when they came out with the before the Ashley storm Birch. game, Ashley Birch. Thank you. Um, when the before the storm game that Life is Strange Before the Storm, she wasn't in that because of the voice actor strike, but that game still sold pretty well, you know? Mm. Um, And, I don't know, I think, I I heard the basic, what I heard from that game is that when you hear not Ashley Birch doing Chloe, you're like, that doesn't sound like Chloe, and then like an hour later, you're like, you don't really notice it anymore, you know? Yeah. Um, 
So I, I think I, yeah. No, go ahead. I think I think they should they should be getting some form of uh, higher recognition, but getting residuals when uh, they're the developers on the game don't get that. You know, seems seems a little crazy to me. That's know. the main issue, I think, in the, in the world of video games. It's definitely something that is that raised a few eyebrows when they were asking for residuals because comparing it with movies is is not an accurate comparison because of the, all the reasons we described. And there are a lot of people who work a lot harder. I, I'm sure the voice actors work really hard, but there are a lot of uh, people that work harder in the development, which might be a problem within itself, you know, the, the horrible crunch time and the, the, the dedication that those developers and artists put into the games. Maybe they shouldn't. Maybe it should be more regulated. Maybe there should be more union uh, negotiations. But mm-hmm. that I, I don't feel like, uh, you know, I'm a dirty socialist Frenchman. So <laughs> I, I, if I felt like this was the voice actors were due residuals for their work, I would probably say it. I think in this case, it felt unfair to everyone else. And there might be other problems there. But... That's probably a different issue. And uh, there, there were things that were addressed uh, through the uh, agreements that were struck between the Voice Actors Guild and the industry leaders. Uh, there were things like the actors get more uh, information about the roles they're going to be playing. They get, like, they, they get to know if they're going to have to uh, say things they're not comfortable with, like racial slurs and stuff like that. Um, they get more... Uh, you know, they, they get guarantees on the amount of time they, they use their uh, instrument, basically their voice, which can get tired or damaged. Um, these kinds of things, they do get more money if they work a lot, uh, you know, to, up to an extent. But for a lot of people that uh, are the smaller voice actors, it's probably that don't make a lot of money. That's probably going to help. So ultimately, they didn't get their, you know, the things that was the most visible in their demands but it seems like they got uh, a a more fair deal in all of the other uh areas well i will say that i think that the 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 like making sure their voice is rested and they don't have to like go as crazy when it comes to like uh how long they're in the booth for and stuff like that that's a good that's a good thing because they got it they have to protect the money maker right (laughs) which is of course yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, there are so many voice actors that work so much that we never really realize, you know, every single like little bad guy falling and going, like the, all of those yeah. has to be recorded, you know, and, and that's not easy work. Like you're and not just that they have to do it over and over and over again until they yeah. get the right thing that the game director says is the appropriate uh, herp law sound, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they have to do like, 15 different ones so that you, yeah, you hear exactly. different like yeah it's not it's it's certainly not easy work so but that sticking point of residuals uh i think was never going to be it, it opens well, pandora's box well maybe so. maybe they maybe they didn't actually want it you know in negotiation you ask for a little too much so the, the they'll roll it back a little bit so maybe they didn't want it they just wanted they wanted the 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 voice kind of um stuff and as soon as they said residuals are like we're not getting you that but maybe we'll get you the other thing you know <laughs> it's possible it, it feels like they did want it but yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm looking for the bright side here yeah <laughs> 
um, Nintendo is doing really well. Um, Nine-year high on their stock price. Uh, that mostly I did mention uh, that getting Honor of Kings. Uh, what's it called in in the West? Arena of Valor. Um, it's a MOBA. It's basically the mobile MOBA. Um, mm -hmm. So getting it on the Switch was a really big deal. And apparently it drove the stock uh, pretty high because of the potential for growth in China. So that's good news for Nintendo. They, they can't do wrong with the Switch, which is definitely not the song I was... Uh, the tune I was singing uh, a year ago. <laughs> um, but I'm happy to have been proven wrong, definitely. And um, I, I think I mentioned the um, the presence of maybe I didn't mention it. There's a, a version of uh, the NES uh, version of golf of the game golf in the Switch, mm -hmm. and um, it it people were wondering, oh, did they include a virtual console in the in the Switch, or like, do they have plans to develop this further? Or what happened? And apparently, um, it is a a a really homage. touching yeah it, it's yeah. even more than an homage it's like a, a tribute and a a protect protection charm um for the console because it's a game that was developed by uh, satoru iwata uh, a very loved and well-known uh, president of nintendo um and who passed away uh, only a, a little while ago. And uh, you can actually play the game, apparently, on the day of his death, the anniversary of, of his death, if you do certain, like, motions with the, the yeah. motion controllers, uh, specifically on that day. Um, and it's just, it wasn't even really intended to be found. It's a uh, omamori, which in Japanese, it's like, it's, it's a charm. Uh, and they wanted a little piece of Iwata to be in every Switch console, which is such a sweet, like, <laughs> wow, this is like the opposite of Blue Hole yelling at Epic. <laughs> it's like the, the best feel-good PR story you can get, especially since I believe they didn't necessarily want it to be found. Um, it's just... It's just heartwarming. Um, the nostalgia box craze is just like the Battle Royale craze in full <laughs> swing. Um, we're getting the Atari box. We are getting details. Uh, well, let's talk about the uh, Commodore 64 Mini first, which will be coming out in 2018. Um, that's just like a Commodore 64 box where you have like it's it's just like the um the the NES classic and the super NES classic except with a Commodore 64 which mm -hmm. my answer to this is I loved my Amiga but you're not Nintendo this is not gonna say <laughs> um and I I I I'm part of the crowd that used the Amiga a lot and that you know I didn't have a Commodore 64 but I don't think this is going to sell. But more interestingly, uh, the Atari box console, we have details. <laughs> oh, my God, this is so bad. Um, it's going to be basically a PC um, with AMD hardware, uh, Linux software uh, operating system with some sort of Atari emulator in it, Atari 2600. And so far, you're like, okay, maybe... Uh, except it's going to launch late spring 2018. It's going to cost $249 minimum. Oof. And 
it's going to be crowdfunded through Indiegogo sometime in the fall. Ah, what is going what on? Doing <laughs> who is what? Like, I mean, maybe if you look at it as a PC that's going to run Linux for 250 bucks, but you're not going to be running. I mean, you can run uh, Steam, like Linux Steam on that if you want to, but on that hardware, you're not going to be running anything anyway. Who's going to... Am I crazy? This is crap, right? No, this is this is shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm... Am I allowed to say that, the word on the show? I don't, I don't know. It's fine. Okay. Um, no, when it's th- justified, is... when it's warranted, you can. Okay. And in this case, wow. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Like, why would you want to buy a this versus, like... A, I guess it's a, it's a cheaper version of a PlayStation, but like, what what does it really have in it that that you can that you can't get out of like an Apple TV, <laughs> you know? Well, or uh, even it's I mean, a PC. It, it's a small PC for yeah, two hundred and fifty like, bucks. I'm sure. Like, I don't know. I don't know, man. It it doesn't it doesn't seem like anything that that, and just the fact that it's going to be crowdfunded too leaves a bad taste in my mouth as well, and. I don't know. It just doesn't. I don't. I don't think it's going to sell. I, I really don't. I mean, the product What's, itself. I agree. I would struggle to find. I'm sure there are going to be some people who want it. You know, there's going to be a few dozen, maybe a few hundred people who want it. But like, then asking them to pay for it ahead, like in a, on a crowdfunding platform, that makes it, as you said, like it makes it a lot worse. Mm-hmm. And ah, no, I th- this is. This doesn't seem like something that's going to work <laughs> out. We'll see, I guess. Um, good news. Phil Spencer is now part of the senior leadership team at Microsoft. And that's cool for Phil. Uh, I'm sure he's happy. But that's probably also cool for uh, gamers and Xbox lovers. I think everyone kind of agreed over the past few months what we've seen is that uh the xbox seemed like a, a, a you know far down the list of concerns at microsoft and satya nadella was not really uh very much invested in uh the the, the strategy that would make the xbox one a success and the hope here is that Phil Spencer being part of that senior leadership team of like roughly 20 people, he's going to make, be able to present his cases uh, more strongly and uh, make the company care about that uh, department, you know, the area of games a little bit more. I hope that's what's happening and not that he's getting kind of a bone for being a good soldier for a long time and, you know, (laughs) getting him to shut up about games. But uh, I think that, that, I mean, he's basically going to be reporting directly to Sasha Nadella now. Right. Um, and so what that means is you're – instead of having a one-on-one meeting with someone who is – we're going to report to the CEO and will maybe pass on your concerns or your um, your wants and dreams for your department, you actually get to talk directly to the CEO um, and and ha- and have those meetings and stuff like that. And so I think it, I think it is going to be a good thing. Um. I don't know how much this will really change the current state that Xbox is in, but I think it will give them um, some form of a leg up for whatever the next generation of consoles is going to be. Maybe, yeah. 
I guess we'll see, but it sounds like good news. Um, yep. Little bit of bad news. Uh, there, Blizzard has announced that we're not going to get a Diablo announcement at BlizzCon. Uh, I say a little bit of bad news because I'm happy they're managing our expectations. Because <laughs> if they hadn't, what everyone would be talking about is, oh my God, are we going to hear about a new Diablo game at BlizzCon? And uh, we're about a month away now. So it's probably good they're tell letting us know, nope, don't get excited. Um, we did, however, hear that Basically, we're getting, we know that we're getting a new WoW expansion. Eon um, <laughs> has Acostas pretty much said so in the, his latest video. So um, that's, that's pretty exciting for lovers of World of Warcraft. Um, and there was also a, an interesting um, uh, job offer on the Blizzard site that was pulled immediately after it was posted, but too late, of course, everyone noticed, um, that said they wanted uh, someone for a mobile MMORTS project, which is kind of a little bit of... What? <laughs> let's, let's take all the buzzwords and throw them all into one, uh, <laughs> one job application, you know? I'm not sure what an MMORTS would be. Uh, a lot of people were throwing around the words uh, Clash of Clans and, and Clash Royale, and obviously that sounds like the closest approximation of what that might maybe be, uh, yeah. look like. Uh, any ideas on what an MMORTS would be? Uh, what, was that, what was that game that the guy made in the StarCraft engine? Um that oh, was like a, universe a, a Starcraft, yeah, Starcraft, Starcraft universe? universe or whatever. It's that. It's that. Um, <laughs> I, I no, I have no idea. I mean, it's going to be like um, you hold your phone to the side and you move around. You you select things with your fingers or whatever, and then you go up to someone and you talk to them, and they're and you type with your phone. I don't, I don't know, man. Because, like, do you? <laughs> it's actually... hard. It's hard to put this into into the what you're thinking about but i don't know maybe it's i mean blizzard's known to kind of blow people's minds with um with new kind of ideas and stuff like that so maybe i mean usually they perfect other people's ideas that they've enjoyed and mm -hmm. i mean the thing is rts yes i can see how that could work on a mobile maybe there's even like iron marines which just came out which is an interesting riff on uh, RTS on, on mobile. It's very RTS period. Like it just happens to be on mobile, but still. But MMO, like you each get a little bit of the map and build up your base and collect resources. Like it's weird. And it could very much be something that they're, you know, thinking about and someone didn't edit the uh, job application properly. And this <laughs> is just a project they're thinking about and that's going to disappear and not going to be developed further and we're never going to hear about it. But it's it's still it's still an interesting thing and the fact that they pulled it is like oh well maybe that did mean something then but uh, <laughs> it's probably not for this blizzcon though so we'll see nah. and uh i think that is going to be it for the news we have for today thank you very much for being on the show ed uh why yeah, don't you welcome. tell people uh where they can get more of you if sure. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Adesis, and uh, I stream live every Monday night around 7 a.m. or 7, 7 a.m. 7 p.m. Eastern time. Um, tonight I'll be playing a little bit of Prey, so I'm looking forward to that. 
Um, and I work for a website called fourplayernetwork.com. You can, and you can uh, watch their streams on at twitch.tv slash fourplayerpodcast or just 4pp.tv is the easiest way. They have a podcast every Thursday at 8.30 um, or 9.30 Eastern time. And uh, I actually just got back from PAX uh, about a month ago, and we recorded a podcast um if, with my impressions, I was the only one there representing the website from PAX, and so if you want to kind of see um, kind of the newest, freshest games that are that are coming out soon in the next uh, couple months to about a year from now, um, go check that out. I think that that is currently on our YouTube uh, page, but if not, it'll be posted on the on the website shortly. So cool! Uh, you played uh, you played Cuphead, right? I played Cuphead. Yeah, that game mm. is hard. <laughs> <laughs> that game is right. hard. <laughs> so if you if you want to get uh, all of the impressions from PAX, then uh, just go to fourplayer.pp. Yeah, fourpp.tv uh, is the four, best way to. Sorry, fourpp.tv. Yeah, fourpp.tv yeah. to get the to get the the Twitch page, and if you want, just search for four player podcast on YouTube, and you'll find it uh, very easily. Excellent. Thank you very much, sir. Uh, for me, it's not Patrick on Twitter and on Facebook. You can leave a review and a few stars on iTunes if you wish to do so. If you want to support us a little bit, that would be very much appreciated. It takes a couple of seconds and it helps. Uh, you can also find this show at frenchspin.com and uh, you'll find another show called The Phileas Club there. And uh, we did for a, a recent episode, we dove into Venezuela. We actually had a, a lengthy conversation with a uh, person who uh, had to leave Venezuela because of all of the things that are happening there and currently resides in Colombia. And uh, if you've ever wondered what's happening in Venezuela, I'm sure you've heard about that something is happening there. Um, we had a, a really good conversation and uh, Saul's um, input was invaluable for me to understand how things got messed up there and you know how they got to that situation and it didn't happen in one day and it was like really interesting to follow along everything that happened and see quite alarming the situation there and now so um i mean it's I think it's a really valuable listen, um, not because of me, but because of him <laughs> mainly. So uh, if you think you might be interested, just go check it out. It's at frenchspin.com and the show is called The Phileas Club. It's the second to last episode. We had a bunch of episodes and all of them, I think, are pretty good. So go check that out. Thank you very much for listening and we'll be back in about a couple of weeks. Talk to you then. Bye. Bye. Bye.